Welcome back to See Also. I'm Kate Jinx. I'm Brody Lancaster. And Jinxie, I have a confession to make. <gasps> Ooh. It's not juicy. Oh. <laughs> but I think you maybe might have the same one. I'm not sure. Not putting mm-hmm. words in your mouth. I have found myself being back on Twitter. Yes, same. A little too much, but I have not reinstalled it on my phone. I don't have the app. I have Mm. to do the desktop version. Yeah, okay. See, my desktop is now prompting me to log into Facebook again. That's how often, how long it's been since I've used the dreaded Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, my God, I sound like such a fucking boomer. The dreaded Facebook. The Facebook. (laughs) But I, I mean, I thought I was tricking myself by putting, like, my social media apps on, like, the second page of my home screen. You know, like I have to navigate away from Mm -hmm. the main one to find them. But I just now automatically go there and they're all there. Mm. Anyway, everything on Twitter annoys me, which is a sign that I need to truly get off it. Okay. Because especially in the last week when like, you know, a trending topic about like a niche internet thing hits the feed and then every, I just had this sudden (laughs) response of like, all these cunts have to have something to say about it. Mm. And I used to be one of them. And now I'm like, to have a superiority complex, I guess. Yeah. Look, I did enjoy, I mean, we'll get to, the discourse. Capital D discourse. I'm back on it. I am tweeting. It's bad. Yeah. There have been some quite funny things on there that I'm like, this is why. This is why I'm still there. Like this dumb meme today about like this photo of someone who looked like a trans mask version of Chloe Sevigny. Wonderful tweet. Oh, I missed that one. And then there was another one of like a photo of like a model in the Balenciaga show, like stomping through the mud. <laughs> It was like Claire Denis going location scouting in <laughs> Nicaragua. And it was like, that's okay. This is why I'm still here. I'm still here for that kind of dumb you've, shit. You've created a very good timeline over the years. And how would I know about Lena Dunham tweeting that <laughs> stupid thing about her coffin in the bride? Right? Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. It's good, actually. <laughs> okay. There we go. Case closed. I did have a thought seeing the Balenciaga show on Instagram like my first thought was derelict (laughs) and then Mm -hmm. I went to Twitter to type in Balenciaga derelict just to make sure no one had made the joke before me and then I had a moment of like seeing myself from outside my body being (laughs) like you don't have to do this and I was like I don't have to do this no you don't no just give it 10 minutes someone else will yeah 10,000 other people will do it for me (laughs) And I'm not special. None of us are. Anyway, that's the episode. Cool. Glad we've got a podcast then. We've got all our opinions. Uh, anyway, so that's that's what's top of mind for me. How how have you been since our last episode? I was in a bit of a mood last week. Yeah. I have to admit. Yeah. I have to confess. But I'm in quite a good one today. Do you think there's any reason? The planets? I mean, the planets, Mercury's no longer in retrograde. Oh, thank God. Spring is here. There's more sunshine. All good things. All good things. Having a tidy apartment and the sun being out is having a real market shift on my mood. You're deep in the spring clean, right? Oh, yeah. In the space of like two days, I did what I've called a balcony makeover. It's been on a list of things I wanted to do in my apartment for months. Um, where I like went to series on Saturday and the sun was out. I rented a car and like zipped around the city, um, bought a bunch of new herbs and like a little plant. I'm going to see if it survives on my balcony, borrowed a broom from my neighbors, like replaced a broken paver. I was like, I bought a little, a little mini pressure washer thing. Oh, I organized for my apartment building to do a hard rubbish collection. So I got rid of just like junk that I've had sitting around. This is like the riveting shit you subscribe to this <laughs> podcast for. But an exciting part is that I had my first experience with a consignment shop and I like booked in a selling appointment at Mutual Muse in the Thornbury, which is a like secondhand store that buys and sells stuff. And compared to some of the other consignment stores in Melbourne, they A, don't just stock clothes for skinny people or like designer labels. And they don't set like, like some of these places you take stuff in 
and then they give you a date where you have to come back in and collect the stuff that hasn't sold. And I was like, no, the whole fucking point of this is to get it out of my house. That's the main goal over like making a a lot of money or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they put up on their Instagram that they had like some very specific plus size labels and kind of like items that they were looking to stock. And I was like, okay, that's the fucking ticket. So I took two like heaving bags of stuff in and they bought Jinxie everything. That's really good. It's amazing. And it feels so good to have that stuff out of my apartment. And also just really like I ended up having like a chat to the people working there who were, we, we kind of got talking cause they were like, we want to stock like more plus size stuff. And as we were talking, we kind of came to the realization that like, like when you're a plus size person, it can be so hard to find clothes in your size full stop that like if they don't fit or if they're not right or if they go out of season, out of style, it's still quite hard to give them up because even though my cupboards are full of clothes, I'm still stuck in this headspace of like if you get rid of this, you might never find something like it again. And so I think that mentality is probably quite common and is the reason why like consignment stores, even when they do stock plus size stuff, people aren't as willing to like part with their clothes. Mm -hmm little theory I'm working on. I said this to you in a text, but I'm just repeating it so that people think I'm funny on our podcast. But as I get older, I realize how um, important that job was that Catherine Keener did in 40-year-old version, <laughs> where she had a shop that was just selling other people's stuff on eBay mm-hmm. from a shop. Oh, I went to um, I went to Francois on the weekend. Oh, la la. Had a little journey to the south of Yarra. Chic. Um, it was so fucking chic, Jinxie. I went with my friend Anton. Um, he had never been there before. He's lived in New York for 10 years, but has wonderfully been back in Melbourne since the start of COVID, but he's about to leave again. So I took him to Francois for like a belated birthday, early goodbye dinner and it was a very um extravagant meal for BL. It was a no expense spared martinis plural on a Sunday night, escargot, the fish of the day, etc. 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 And just like a beautiful French waiter, multiple beautiful French waiters when they touch my arm, you know, it's it's a really special place. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm checking out and the guy behind the counter is like, oh, we're having a martini's night. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like just turned into a fucking loser. But, um, yeah, highly recommend <laughs> a, a Sunday night at Francois. I've heard that like going at like in mid-afternoon, like my friend Georgia, who's a regular, she's like 3 p.m. is the sweet spot because mm-hmm. the people who are still boozing from lunch – make it like a fun vibe, but you're not like shuffled out for the dinner crowd. Mm. She said you get their f- the waiter's full attention. So <laughs> obviously you know where to find me. And hands apparently. Yeah, well, <laughs> I tipped. I think every night's a martini night. Yeah, it should be. But Jinxie, you've been like out on the town lately, right? Out on the town. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like. In the scene. In the scene, out on the town, girl in the city, Caroline in the city. <laughs> That's in the me, city. Caroline in the city. <laughs> yeah, I went to a couple of great theatre shows last week. Um, I went to see Mish Grigor's excellent, excellent show, Class Act by Aphids, that was out at Substation. I'd never been to Substation before. Incredible venue, so great. You're not going to raves? Do they have raves there? Oh, am I thinking of sub club? I'm thinking of sub club. Okay. Yeah, obviously not then. No <laughs> doofs for me at the moment. Um, but yeah, it was just a really excellent, excellent work. And I've been thinking about it so much and I just love Mish's work. Genius. Um, but yeah, it was only on for I think four or five nights. But yeah, so you can't say that one. Hopefully she'll do it again. And then I went to the opening of Cyrano at MTC, Mm. which is, of course, the wonderful Virginia Gay's show that was meant to open and then it closed before, uh, as soon as lockdown happened. Mm -hmm. So they were all ready to go at the theatre. I think they'd bumped in the whole works. Oh, fuck. And then had to cancel. Yeah. So it's kind of a triumph that it is back. And the audience was so excited and so into it. I've been hearing so much about it. Yeah, Virginia is just a powerhouse, you know. Like I could watch her do anything. She's incredible. She's Mm. playing Cyrano. She's playing Magda Zubansky's wife on a TV show. What can't she do? What can't? 
Virginia do. Genius. Genius is all around. Mm-hmm. Continuing my Caroline in the City mode. <laughs> I, that's our new segment. I went to see uh, Guy Blackman and Nicole Tibbet play at the Tramway Hotel on Sunday afternoon. It was just like a delightful Sunday afternoon in a pub, lots of people there, everyone kind of enthused about what was happening, beautiful songs, beautiful banter, lots of friends. It was just like one of those really, really delightful Sunday afternoons. A great Melbourne weekend. A great Melbourne weekend. You can just picture someone wandering home from Edinburgh Gardens. What's going on at the tramway? I hear music seeping out into the street. Absolutely. That oh was my was. God, it's Guy Blackman. I know. And like how, yeah, just what, beautiful, beautiful. What a treat. So, so good. What else? I fit in a little, very nice little massage and gua sha facial at Sense of Self on Sunday. More gua sha. More gua sha. I love that fucking gua sha. Oh my God, addicted to gua sha. I am so addicted to gua sha. Not base anymore. It's all about gua sha for me. <laughs> yeah, so that was like really, really good. And uh, what else? Um, really enjoying uh, Zan Rose's show, Take Five, on ABC. I've only seen the first two episodes. I think the, there's a new one out this week. But it's one of those, like, she's such a great presenter and interviewer, mm. such a consummate professional, that Zan Rose. They're really warm, very intimate conversations with people that I normally I wouldn't really seek out. <laughs> their musical opinions on, I guess. Totally. I mean, when I saw there was a Keith Urban one, it made me realize I know fuck all about Keith Urban except for Nicole Kidman. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And once we saw, um, my partner and I saw Keith Urban and Nicole Kidman at Apollo in uh, Potts Point in Sydney having dinner. And so he just leant across and said, Keith Urban looks like a Bratz doll. And I have never not been able to think that every time I see him. He's a very glamorous man. He's a glamorous man. Anyway, it was such a good conversation Mm. and his choices were really interesting. I was particularly intrigued that he picked a Katie Lang and the Reclines song. Really? As part of his his take five, top five. Oh, my God, I'm yet to watch. Well, I won't give you any other details, but I think you'll be quite surprised by his choices and also Guy Pearce's choices. What a treat. Yeah, it's really good. Anyway, it's on ABC and also on iView. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've got to see also for Keith Urban. (laughs) (laughs) A Keith Urban also. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's it's another Katie Lang and the Reclines song. It's a cover of Johnny Get Angry uh, and it's Katie Lang and the Kleins performing on a UK TV show that was called Town and Country. It's from 1991 and it is one of the most incredible televised like live performances I've ever seen. It's this clip on YouTube of it that I've returned to consistently okay, and have returned to consistently throughout the years since I discovered it. Anyway, so we'll link to that. It's so good. We did an episode about house tours recently. Architectural Digest blew up last week when like YouTuber Emma Chamberlain opened the doors to like her beautifully renovated California home. Confession, I had to look up who she was. I'd never heard of her. Jinxie, I'm not surprised. But also (laughs) that's okay because she's a 20-year-old famous for YouTube. She's like on the cover of Vogue or something, right? Literally on the cover of Vogue Australia last month wearing the like pink valentino but yes you're right to say who because she's like the girl who like everyone under 25 goes this is not a cool shirt to wear or type of pant to wear and then emma chamberlain wears it once and then it is all anyone will wear for three years how did that happen she started making youtube videos in high school and just had like a very kind of like funny and relatable kind of style. But it's not unique. Her style is not unique in any way. That's because it's been replicated quite a lot. Okay. So that's something that I, because I came to Emma quite late and I had the same thought as you did. I was like, what's special about this kid? Um, Who's this bitch is what I thought. Because <laughs> I kind of think that she's quite normal, you know, yeah. like quite I would walk past like five Emma Chamberlains every day walking down the streets of Melbourne. But I guess there's something about her that made Gen Z kind of really attach themselves to her to the point where 
she's done the red carpet interviews at the Met Gala for the last two years. She's been kind of Louis Vuitton's go-to like young person for like five years. Jinxie, she's the reason that young people wear Louis Vuitton. Oh. During COVID when they couldn't do runway shows, they sent a literal, it was like a tiny house, a pop-up like boutique on stilts to her front yard. And she made a YouTube video of her air quotes shopping in this boutique, just full of items that she could wear in her house to watch the live stream of the Louis Vuitton show in Paris. I think in Paris, or maybe it was just a live stream somewhere, but she got the times wrong. And so in the video, she was just in bed, not wearing Louis Vuitton, but still people love that because they're like, Emma's depressed and in bed like the rest of us. Anyway, I didn't mean to talk about Emma Chamberlain because when I, that was just my segue to talk about Susan Boyle's home tour. <laughs> oh, I've seen this. From OK Magazine. Mm-hmm. She's renovated the family home that she grew up in with her like seven brothers and sisters. Or as she said, done up. She's done it up. This room is done up and been papered, which is when she put up new wallpaper. It's just like the most incredible thing I've ever seen. It's very good. Her dressing room, which used to be the bedroom where she and her two sisters all slept is now where she gets ready for her big nights out. But on the windowsill, there's just like word art, like a carving of the word dream. It's sweet. It's really sweet. It's really live, love, laugh, isn't it? Suze. Yeah. She says, I'm an old funster who likes a bit of fun. And she really is. She really is. I just cannot, cannot think of Susan Boyer without thinking of Sus Anal Bum Party. Sus Anal Bum Party. It's not. I cannot divorce the two. Me neither. I think, like, every time I see her face, I think Sus Anal Bum Party. So we wouldn't have that without Twitter, would we? We really wouldn't. God, it's such a gift. It is a gift. Giving a Sus Anal Bum Party. Come on. The fact that (laughs) Sus Anal Bum Party is like, here's my plaque with like a million records and here's my photo of me and the Pope and also here's my word art that says dream. <laughs> it should say Sassanal Bum Party. Sassanal Bum Party. <laughs> so, look, there's a lot of good stuff to consume. <laughs> there sure is. Oh, God, that really got me. Okay, veering back around past Emma Chamberlain but back to where she is, which is Paris Fashion Week. We're not going to go derelict, but I have been seeing so much content popping up on TikTok specifically, like a lot of just like footage of Brooklyn Beckham touching his wife's back, but not speaking to her. Brooklyn that- Beckham has a wife? <sighs> Jinxie. Yeah. She, he's got a wife. How old is he? He's like 24, maybe? Fucking hell. When did that happen? I know. He's, I mean, the wedding's a big, was a big deal. Sorry. Um, I mean, I wasn't invited. That's okay. I mean, what, Nicola Peltz Beckham isn't isn't on your um, Google alert? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he changed his surname to Peltz Beckham. Like he, they have the same surname now, which is, you know, modern. <laughs> Progressive. Progressive. <laughs> Feminist. Um, I did see a clip recently where someone ran into Brooklyn Beckham and said, what do you do? And he said, I'm a chef. Oh, is um, that true? Well, you could tell me anything and I'd be like, oh, yeah. A few years ago, he was quote unquote a photographer and released a book of photography, which was just photos that mm-hmm. a famous okay, person yeah. took. I think now when he says he's a chef, it's like um, food that he is famous and cooks. So he's <laughs> a chef, you know, mm-hmm. you know how to cook, you're a chef, to quote Kelly Kaloran Ben Simone. <laughs> It's weird. Anyway, there's a lot of him, but there's a lot of on the on the like streets of Paris during Fashion Week. I did see a clip of Christine Quinn from Selling Sunset hobbling down the street in like I think in Valentino, like she's in the very lurid pink and like huge. They look like like Jeffrey Campbell Lita shoes <laughs> hobbling down cobblestone streets as someone like yells at her from a car, and I, it turns out to be like Lisa Rinna's daughter Amelia Gray. Oh, wow. Amelia Gray Hamlin. Mm -hmm. And they're just screeching on the streets about how much they love each other. And speaking of screeching, another video of Lisa (laughs) Rinna herself walking towards ID magazine. Like someone's clearly gone, we're from ID. And it's Lisa Rinna going, oh, I love how great you are with Amelia. Amelia Gray. ID, love you. Mwah. ID, Amelia Gray. (laughs) 
Was she just winking the whole time? Oh my gosh. She had ridiculous sunglasses on, of course. Yeah. But it was just like lips, Amelia Gray, you know? I'm looking forward to talking finale with you. One more episode of the season. So good. Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah. But yeah, Paris Fashion Week in full swing. Mm-hmm. But we all saw that Caperni bloody spray on dress on Bella Hadid. And I was so irritated by it when I saw it. I mean, A, it's very like, you know, the famous McQueen yeah. show with the robots spraying that dress. Totally. Who was that? Was that Shalom? I can't remember. It was Shalom Harlow, yeah. McQueen. Yeah. Beautiful, incredible Beautiful. show. Yeah, I was really irritated by the whole thing. Really? Yeah, I mean, like, Bella looks gorge, yeah. obviously, but I couldn't really articulate my irritation. Mm. And then I was reading a piece by Rachel Tashin in Harper's Bazaar about, you know, her recaps of Fashion Week, and she said, the show notes said that the collection was dedicated to all the women in the world. Really? In that case, to me, the dress is a statement about how often women are gently manipulating themselves to accommodate the dumb ideas of men. Well, I mean, yeah. I was really like, yeah, I think that's about it. I didn't hate it. I mean, the more angles of it that came out and then the like person coming out to kind of cut it into a dress, I was like, okay, well, that kind of ruins the illusion. But I mean, I thought the final result was like, quite beautiful yeah. <laughs> but the yeah the all the women in the world thing makes me hate it because yeah. I'm like uh, it's not about the dress it's about a the spectacle and b her body like yeah I look I love spectacle yeah. and I'm not like oh fashion week should present wearable clothes no fuck that I'm not no. interested but yeah just it was just something you know when you see something and you're like Ugh, and you have this thing like it rankles you yeah but you can't quite Work it out. I think it's pretty natural to be like cynical about it, a oh, thing yeah. like that. Um, I think be- I was just annoyed by those two men yeah. <laughs> who were spraying her. It was like it was like Griffin- spraying white all over. It her. was I mean, me with know. me with my pressure sprayer on the weekend, <laughs> like cleaning cobwebs. Oh, that's why you got it. I've got to see also yeah. for Rachel Tashin, the Prophet Pizza on socials. She has you know the invite only, very famous newsletter, opulent tips, and if you. A, are not on it, haven't received an invite, or you don't have a friend who is on it who can forward it to you. You can sign up for a newsletter that she does for Harper's, uh, Ah. now that she's a fashion editor there, and it's really good. That's a good hot tip for me because I do not get opulent tips and I don't know why I want it so badly other than the fact that I can't have it. it. You can't have it, so that's it. Lord gets it and I don't. Fucking Lord. She got abs and I didn't. Like, what else does she fucking want? The trailer for the new Luca Guadagnino film, Bones and All, just dropped. Jinxie Wang, can we see the bones? I want to see those goddamn bones. Show me the bones, Show Timmy. Me the bones. <laughs> of course it does, Timmy. It looks beautiful. And Taylor Russell, who I don't, I've never who seen is her that? in it. Well, I, she's been in a couple of things. Nothing I've ever seen. Okay. She seems very TV, but she. Uh, did open the Loewe show recently. Oh. So, you know. Okay, chic. But Jessica Harper is in it, and I am very excited about this. Who is Jessica Harper? She starred in the original Suspiria. Oh. And she was also in Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria from sure. a few years ago. And I am thrilled, thrilled, thrilled that she is back. Oh, my God, love that. Yeah. I saw when Chloe posted the trailer, she was basically like, Luca's new movie, and of course, Timothée. <laughs> of course, Timothée. <laughs> they know what they know what we're coming for. Yeah, it looks very good. It looks girl. really gorgeous. I didn't realize it's based on like a essentially a YA novel about cannibalism, written by a vegan. Huh? Yeah. I have been enjoying all the tweets that are essentially like. Luca and Timmy got together and made a film about cannibalism and didn't invite their cannibal friend, <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Army Hammer's family has a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and some severe kinks, not to kink shame, but <sighs> yep. I want to recommend a great profile that I read slash went to the website to read it and then realized I could listen to it instead this morning. It's the cover story of the latest New York Times magazine all about Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, yes, I have this bookmarked to read. Yeah, written by Jasmine Hughes, who I just adore. I saw on Instagram she's just turned 30 and I had a moment of like, God, you're good. 
She's just been writing like excellent covers, including like many for the New York Times magazine recently, like Lil Nas X, Quest Love, some really amazing cover stories. Anyway, just the descriptions of Whoopi Goldberg before it gets into her career, her house sounds incredible. Jasmine writes, she lives every day like the Sabbath. When she's not working, she told me she sits around her mansion, moving from one room to another. Uh, In the front foyer of her home, there's a bowling pin painted with the image of her as Dolores Van Cartier in Sister Act. (laughs) On each floor of her house, there's a different photograph of her with the Dalai Lama. And there's also a quote that I loved. As we ate lunch in the kitchen, our plates laid atop a spotless white tablecloth with the seven dwarfs chasing one another around the trim, our backs pressed against the face of a cowboy embossed into the chair. That's there's a lot going on. There's so much. There's <laughs> just, so, I'm trying to picture it. There's like Pepsi hard. ads with like black families in them. It seems like Whoopi's kind of like curating this like museum of like pop culture Americana kind of stuff in her home. That sounds great. I want to read it. Yeah, I had no idea until reading this that Sister Act was originally written for Bette Midler, who turned it down. And then later I was listening to the new episode of Into It, the pop culture podcast from Vulture, hosted by Sam Sanders. And he had Guy Branham on this week, who I just love. And they mentioned there's been talk of a Sister Act 3, which I was not aware of. Mm. Um, But apparently Whoopi is like, I'll do it if I can have Jennifer Lewis in it, (laughs) who has just been incredible in I Love That For You, is from like the Dreamgirls. God, I still got to watch that. I Love That For You. Oh, yeah, you do. Very into the idea of a Sister Act 3. Cool. I'm just manifesting. Let's manifest. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of pop culture, museum, Americana, situations. Oh yeah. I've got something for you that suits your interests or at least someone that you bring up quite a bit on the podcast. Wait, where is this going? It has something to do with Alex Ross Perry. Oh, I do bring him up a lot. <laughs> someone I, I like it. I don't know if I've even seen that many of his movies. I enjoy them. I enjoy his output. Because I'm not fucking obsessed with Elizabeth Moss, okay? That's it. Stop her accusing me good. of it. Her, I mean, I do want to see it, but the name of it, her smell. <laughs> it's so creepy. That's the punk one, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's on the list. Well, he <laughs> just curated a pavement exhibition, like Pavement the Band. Oh, yeah. It happened in New York last weekend. It's going to be like a pop-up happening in a few cities New York, London, Tokyo, and then Stockton, which is their hometown. Nice. Not coming to Australia anytime soon, apparently. But they are. But they are, and I'm still a really big Pavement fan. They are one of those bands where I could turn on any album, any B-side, and know every single word still. Yeah. They didn't get tickets. I'm really regretting it. Well, I signed up for the pre-sale, and then I had this weird moment of being that, like, oh, I've seen them a so many times and have loved them every time. And it's been a long time. They don't have new music. Is this going to feel bad when I go to see it? Because I've been to a lot of reunion shows of bands I've loved and then there haven't been great yeah. shows and then it sort of has scarred me a little bit. That When that's your freshest memory of them. Yeah. Yeah. So Pavement have been caught up in this weird algorithm thing with Spotify. I don't know if you've read anything about it. But no. One of their B-sides that was only available on like a single. It's called Harness Your Hopes, but it's like their top song if you go to Pavement on Spotify. Okay. It's so not like that. It's a great song, but a B-side. It's not Cut Your Hair. It's not Cut Your Hair, but it's because of autoplay being turned on in Spotify. So when autoplay was automatically turned on for all users, it unleashed this thing, which was like sonic algorithm thing. (laughs) I can't explain it. I don't really understand it. Like the actual sound of the music is similar. So it's not just a genre based thing. It's like actually looking at, you know, the sound forms of the songs. And apparently that particular song just sounds like heaps of other songs. So it like shot to the top of the pavement, like 
Oh my god, it's so weird. So Spotify has been like accidentally putting that on like a bunch of people's like auto plays. Yeah. Uh, yes, to the point where apparently it became really <laughs> huge on TikTok, and people were using it on TikTok for their videos. Oh, but it, like it got to the point where it became so big that. It's been re-released and a couple of months ago, Alex Ross Perry was tapped to make a music video for this song <laughs> and it's really great. I only saw it the other day. It stars Sophie Thatcher from Yellow Jackets. Oh, yeah. And uh, it places her within like most of Pavement's very good music videos. Okay, love so that. So it's like it's a really cute little fancy thing to okay watch. alex it's really good anyway we'll put a link up to it because yeah. I, I really love it but the same thing happened to galaxy 500 and their song strange so it just it's become their number one song it's on heaps of playlists my spotify plays it constantly for me it's really? not my favorite galaxy 500 song it's a what very is? good song i don't know hmm. Mine's Don't Let Your Youth Go to Waste. Well, that's a great fucking song. Yeah. That was put on a very influential uh, mix for me. Yeah. I first a potential bow. I first heard it during a very, a very heady period in my life. God, takes me back, takes me back. Yeah, yeah. BL, I think we were both very excited last week when we realized that Hocus Pocus 2 was dropping much earlier than either of us had thought. I thought it was going to be a Halloween weekend treat. So did I. It would have been kind of appropriate, but. But instead it was like a, what's her face? The ghost whisperer. Jennifer Love Hewitt? Yeah, how Jennifer Love Hewitt loves <laughs> pumpkin season and pumpkins. I know this only because of uh, Beck Shaw's Oh Instagram. yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, she's like obsessed with <laughs> like pumpkin, pumpkin spice. Yeah, it's like how Mariah Carey does that thing of like the last day of November and then the first day of December. Oh yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Well, yeah. she's like that, but with pumpkin lattes. Yeah, that's exactly what Disney Plus is like <laughs> when they drop Hocus Pocus two on the thirtieth of September. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> we both stayed in and watched this on Friday night. Very cool. We're sick. <laughs> I was not Caroline in the city that night. No, no, no. Um, and we came away with very different views on it mm-hmm. because I texted you after finishing watching it and saying, no spoilers, but I had so much fun watching that movie. And I was like, just starting, so excited. And then too many hours later, I responded going like, no, not for me. Which I was shocked by let's get into it okay okay this is the real discourse <laughs> this is the fucking capital d discourse no, that you've all we, been waiting yeah. to hear i know that we'll talk about don't worry darling and blonde next week yeah. but <laughs> for now is hocus this, pocus 2 is is this our first fight <laughs> can you imagine if we actually have a fight about Hocus Pocus 2? Okay, sell it to me, BL. Why was it good? Well, look, I I went in feeling quite protective over, like, my childhood, you know, my gals, mm-hmm. Bet, Kathy, SJP, etc. Thora Birch. It had been many years since I watched the original, and so I think part of me kind of forgot the tone of Hocus Pocus a little, like – I kind of forgot some of the historical stuff about how we like see their origins, like killing little Emily Binks. But then I also kind of forgot that because we love those actresses so much, I kind of forgot that the Sanderson sisters are the bad guys. They're the villains. Yeah, they want to eat children. They want to eat children and, like, suck the youth out. They've seen bones and all. (laughs) (laughs) And so it kind of took me a second to be like – you know, obviously you're excited to see them again, but then I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be scared of them. I forgot. But not really. forgot that there are going to be musical sequences. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I was kind of shocked by how much I loved a movie with, like, jokes about flash mobs and Roombas. (laughs) Like, it's so so ten years ago, both of those (laughs) things. But I just had like a really fun time watching this movie. I teared up near the end. There's like a. You did not. Like a sisterly moment that made, really got me. Oh, that's really, that's sweet. I mean, I'm an, I'm an easy target, but what made you have like the opposite reaction? Well, okay, look, there were a few good things in there. Obviously, I just want to get this out of the way. I love those three, our trio of weird sisters. 
love them. Never really understood Kathy and Jamie's role or what she was choosing to do with her mouth in the first one. But anyway, <laughs> isn't it be- that- isn't it because Winnie slapped her? And, oh, like, so yeah. her mouth kind of shifted over to the other side. Yeah, but it's just, like, that is her main characteristic, you know? It's, like, she's got a funny mouth and which is quite, he's too sexy. It's like, yeah, okay. She's so horny. <laughs> Kathy and Jimmy's funny mouth was a little trickier this time around when I think she's maybe done a little more to and with her face. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so holding her mouth on, like, a quite an extreme angle is – is not coming as easily as it did in the early 90s. Yeah, I think that I think you're right about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, I love them and I was very excited about it. Look, I I even watched, I paid to watch this ridiculous thing a few years ago in 2020. They did the Hocus Pocus Halloween reunion. It was called In Search of the Sanderson Sisters, a Hocus Pocus Halloween. And it was like a fundraiser for this. Uh, foundation that Bette Midler started. I think it's like the NYC Restoration Project or something like that. And it was completely ridiculous. Elvira hosted it. John Stamos played the devil inexplicably. And it just had heaps of crazy celeb cameos like Glenn Close decided to appear as Cruella. Like Meryl Streep was appearing at her lake house. And I think Thora Birch did make an appearance. Which... Hocus Pocus 2. Did not do. Did not do. Anyway, so I just want to, you know, put it out there that I didn't expect that nothing had changed or whatever, but it just did nothing for me except mm. I liked the line about them being a gothic golden girls. And I also <laughs> enjoyed when SJP said retinol is a lovely name for a girl. Oh, all that skincare stuff in the Walgreens. That's I thought fine. it was really fun. It was pretty good. <laughs> but, yeah, I... There was just too much exposition. There was just too much of that. Yeah. Too much of those little girls at the beginning of it. I just did not care. And I. <laughs> you sound so like Miss Hannigan from Annie. <laughs> All these little, little girls. girls. <laughs> and also, like, it doesn't. It makes me feel like a bad person and a bad adult to say those child actors are bad, but those child actors were bad. So the main one is from the Gossip Girl reboot. Oh, okay. And her character is basically identical. She's not a witch in Gossip Girl, but she is like a very kind of like prissy little do-gooder. Which one is she? She's the one who get has the magical powers. Oh, sorry. No, I'm talking about the Junior Sanderson sisters. Oh, so they're like very, very beginning of the movie. Mm, that went for too long and I thought they were all terrible. Oh, yeah. I didn't like that. I liked little bets like the young Bette Midler's big teeth. Well, she had something to work with. The others, no. It's like she was doing her best Mayan Bialik in Beaches. Yeah, and Mayan Bialik was incredible in Beaches. So actually there is a precedent for young Bette Midler. Yes. Anyway. In that, what is it, flashback, prequel, like scene setting, whatever, like back in the olden times um, when you see the Sanderson sisters like become witches, right? They have this interaction in the woods with like, I think her character name is like Witch Mother Mm. and it's played by Hannah Waddingham, who is best known now. She's like a stage actress. She's been in like Sondheim stuff. She's British. She was in Game of Thrones and now she's in Ted Lasso. And I think that was supposed to be like a cool cameo in the vein of like you watching that thing with Meryl Streep and Glenn Close. (laughs) But I saw her and I was just like, oh, fucking enough. Like I find that whole Ted Lasso thing so one note and Mm. so fucking boring. And I feel like that had the potential to be like a really fun cameo for like two seconds at the start of Hocus Pocus 2. And instead it was like, Hannah Waddingham. Now that you say it, yeah, that could have been a much better cameo. Yeah, I think she's just like hot in like the Disney realm right now, I guess. (laughs) Hot in the Disney realm. (laughs) (laughs) How do we get there? How do we get there? It was just too much. Like I watched it with Zoe and at 25 minutes in, she just screamed at the television, where the fuck is Bette Midler? Okay, fair. And I do agree with that. Yeah. I just didn't care about the new versions, like the new girls who are like, well, they've had a fight with their friend. Like big fucking warp. Yeah, the stakes were quite low. I was also like, obviously, if there's going to be a Halloween party full of like fresh meat teenagers, that's where SJP and like Kathy and Jimmy are going to sniff them out. Truly. I was really waiting for the kind of like 
Halloween kills moment of like, <laughs> or like you know, the rebooted David Gordon Green Halloween where he's like stalking around finding like teenagers on Halloween night all dressed up in their costumes yeah, who are encountering the thing that they're like wearing costumes of. Sexy and delicious. Sexy and delicious. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they're just, I mean, it kind of let us down there. Instead we got like a jock figuring out that he's been kind of a bully and being sad about it. Yeah. So I get you. I get that 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 it was kind of like a letdown in like the stakes department. Yeah. Look, I feel like a real Grinch saying I didn't enjoy Hocus Pocus. Oh my god, you're allowed. I like you when they sing. Great. Good on them. But yeah, I just I felt like oh we should have left Mm. this alone. It did feel like they had two sets. They had to make a film with Little Stars Hollow Village Mm -hmm. and like the woods. And the magic shop. And that's the extent of like the sets that they got. Yeah, truly. It's not even about not wanting new teens because I will watch any stupid teen tween show about witches. Like I watched the entirety of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. It was not a very good show, but I watched it. I watched the ridiculous reboot of Charmed, the entire thing. I watched it twice, you know. Like I love (laughs) and love a coven. We love a trio of sisters. Absolutely. Yeah. But, yeah, this one I just couldn't. Couldn't quite get behind, I'm afraid. I quite liked the coveniness of it, like where it ended up and just the idea of like the other two, like Kathy Najimi and Sarah Jessica Parker, can't do it without Winnie, without Bette Midler. She's the most powerful, like, center point. But then there is this, like, really sweet part of it where she realizes she can't do it without them either. She probably could, though. I mean, look, she probably could. She's quite powerful. (laughs) She's quite Bette Midler. She's quite a good witch. She is. It was disappointing not to get, like, a reveal with the black cat in the film. Like, that had a lot of potential to be, like, a fun callback to the original a la Thackeray Binks. give us Thackeray goddamn Binks. There was no – there was a reference to the sisters coming back in 1993, but no reference to, like, Max or Danny, who, again, was Hmm. Thora Birch's character. Not even, like, Ice, the bully, who was like, hey, Hollywood. That was where I first – learned that like people sometimes steal expensive sneakers yeah they got rolled anyway there was potential for like a fun cameo or two or a few more callbacks i think than we mm. got but anyway so yeah i felt like this was really not for me at this point i'm gonna watch both of them again back to back i think oh yeah go for it <laughs> yeah. they're good yeah i mean no this one's bad but the, the original <laughs> when i say they're good i mean it's good i mean it's i mean the sanderson sisters are good yeah <laughs> i've got a c also yeah for bet midler oh yeah but it's a c also for her daughter <laughs> sophie von hasselberg who looks identical so who looks goddamn identical and she is gifted with a beautiful voice and a full head of curly hair. She stars in the film Give Me Pity by Amanda Kramer. We played it at MIF, but uh, Static Vision have it here in Australia and they've got their own festival. They just had a Sydney one called um, Metamorphosis. That was last weekend. But in Melbourne it's happening from the 20th to the 23rd of October and you can see Give Me Pity and a whole heap of other really incredible films and we'll put a link to that online oh my god amazing i missed that at myth and i really really wanted to see it yeah it's a great lineup it's a very cool lineup my see also is the movie beaches <laughs> just kidding <laughs> but also not cc bloom it's time for also also's where jinxie and i trade a random assortment of recommendations <laughs> back and forth like ping pong my first one is a sandwich also <laughs> If you live in Melbourne, you've probably already heard. Maybe you've lined up. Maybe you've gone and been disappointed because the paninis run out at Stefanino Panino. I haven't been there yet. I must. Jinxie, get ready to eat some cheese because you don't eat meat and it's very deli-based sandwiches. If you don't eat gluten, sometimes there are gluten-free rolls. FYI. Good to know. I eat everything, so everything's on the menu for me. (laughs) It's a new panini place opened by Steph, who is in the band Big Yawn, and also makes like a fucking mean panini. Is it panini or panino? Who can tell? I don't speak Italian. One's a plural and one's a singular. But go and get a sandwich, and they're really delicious. When I finally made it in there a couple of weeks ago, I got the mortadella one, and then I got the... um. What's it called? 
the pork that's like wrapped up in a roll, porchetta. That's what I got. And they were both delicious. Yeah, their Instagram is good. It's good. They stock like I think like 100, 120 rolls a day from like an independent baker. They got the best bread they could and they get as much as they can, but it always sells out. So, yeah, from like 11 a.m., I think it's like Wednesday through Saturday. Go early, go often. My first one is a listen also. It is a recommendation for many playlists, playlists plural, by the Numero Group, the record label. I have so many of their reissues. They have introduced me to so much incredible music over many, many years. But their playlists are just beautiful. They are so good. As you know, I love a good playlist. You really do. And uh, they've got so many different kind of genres. They've got like an eccentric soul one that I just listen to constantly. There's a great one about like underground teen beat, a British folk one. Oh, so good. So good. On their website, they list all of them, but they're also on Spotify and they've got quite a few on NTS live. If you're that way inclined, which you are. Oh, that sounds great. They put out this excellent uh, collection of like ladies from the Canyon, this great folk. Ooh, so good. But they've got a new one coming up that is Penny in the Quarters and Friends. Penny in the Quarters, of course, famous now for that song you and me which was it's like a huge song now but i think it kind of became kind of big from being in the blue valentine soundtrack uh, years ago. Yeah, yeah okay now they've got uh a new album of a couple of new penny in the quarters gems with kind of similar sounds as well anyway that's an extra also i'm taking up too much also space oh my god bonus i love i also have a listen also it's the self-titled album from the band florist my friend Sinead got me onto this record recently. I'd never heard of the band before, but I believe they've been around for a while. I was reading up about them on Pitchfork to kind of fill in the blanks because I really loved this record. It's like really airy and spacious, feels quite like connected to nature, I think. And when I was reading about them, I learned that the main uh, songwriter and singer in the band is also, I think, a poet, maybe like a spoken word poet. And this record is like 19 tracks long but only like eight or nine of them have any lyrics in them. They basically rented a house in the summer, set up all their instruments on the porch and would kind of come and go, leave recorders going, come back and like finish a song. And so it's kind of this just album length. I don't know, like you you can kind of feel time passing as you're listening to this record. It's really, really beautiful the way that it just like moves through time. Oh, yeah. I want to hear it. It's gorge. I've got a caffeine also. Uh huh. <laughs> perk me up again after that one. I was falling asleep. <laughs> I've got a perk also. Uh, it's the Hario Mizudashi cold brew pot. One liter, please. Uh, you know, it's, it's cold brew season here now that it's spring. I would say it's the best cold brew, like home cold brew I've ever had or made. It's just a really easy, simple thing. It's quite a nice design. You know, eight scoops of your coffee and it makes. Oh my God, you're flying. You're fucking flying. Do you're flying. Do you dilute your cold Not brew? Not with this. No, I mean, like at the. It has this. It has like an inbuilt filter mm-hmm. where you put in exactly the right amount of coffee mm. and exactly the right amount of water and it's like delightful. Yeah. So no. Okay. Because it already. Is. It's not like a concentrate. Yeah. I feel like anytime I've made like attempts at cold brew in the past, I have been like bouncing off the walls. Yeah. Yes. I mean that you run into the risk of that. I'm a heavily caffeinated person. So I enjoy that. I bought my Mizudashi from Alternative Brewing in Australia, but you can get it anywhere that is like a fancy coffee spot. If you live in Melbourne, it's every fucking shop. Uh, my last one is a cookbook also. A few episodes ago, quite a few episodes ago now, actually, I mentioned the Buddha Jige recipe that Eric Kim published in the New York Times, like essential Korean recipes. And I finally got my hands on his first cookbook, which is called Korean American. It's very much about growing up as both of those things and the ways that like food adapts and people adapt based on the places that they live. And I'm just so excited to finally have this book because I've cooked so many of his recipes that I've seen on his Instagram or on the New York Times cooking app. And I got it. This is kind of a bonus also as well. I got it from Books for Cooks at 
Queen Victoria Markets, which is just the best place on earth. It's uh, everything I I asked them for, they either had or ordered in for me. So oh, that's good. Yeah. I'm very excited. They had like Ali Slagle's cookbook, which was too heavy for me to pick up that day, but I'm going to go back for. I finally got like the essential kind of Marcella Hazan, like Italian cookbook. I got a bunch of really good stuff there and I could spend a lot of money there. My last one is a garden also. It's the Ivy Muse plant steak. Ivy Muse was a Melbourne-based company that were around for apparently eight years. I wasn't aware of them. They are no longer in business. However, <laughs> you can still buy these plant steaks only from, I have been able to find from Plant Society, but they're just these really nice little plant steaks that you can put into a house plant and, you know, get your devil's ivy to climb in a better way or what have you. <laughs> anyway, I just stumbled upon them when I was doing some little shopping and picked two up and then I went to order more online and then was like, oh my God, the business, the company's gone under or they're just not making them anymore. <laughs> so I would say snap these up now. Plant Society seem to be already relatively low in stock. So mm. get them and make your plants look good. Oh my God. Hot tip. Mm. You're like Kim Kardashian, how she bought out all oh, of you. the, she like famously was like, I like sending emails on my Blackberry, but they discontinued Blackberries. And then she bought up all the ones she could find on eBay. And I once, I remember watching a video where she opens a drawer in a dresser and she just has all these Blackberries lined up so that every time one dies, she goes on to the next one and uses it until it dies. Cause she likes sending emails by clicking the keys. Oh. That's you with the plant steaks. That's me and my plant steaks. Buying them up before they get uh, discontinued. Got a drawer full. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to See Also. We'd love it if you could pop on over to Apple Podcasts and give us five stars and leave a review. We've been getting some really, really nice reviews. We love to read them, but also it really, really helps us get new people to listen and, you know, climb those algorithms like a pavement B-side. Every review gets us one step closer to quitting our jobs and becoming professional podcasters. And then Alex Ross Perry will curate a <laughs> exhibition all about us. All about our smell. That is, that's what I'm seeing for us. That's the dream, famously. And of course, please follow us on Instagram at See Also Podcast. Thank you as always to Samuel Hodge for our artwork and Harvey Sutherland for our original theme music. See ya. Bye.